Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and today's very special edition of Half the Battle is brought to you by BestFightPicks.com. Go to BestFightPicks.com, type your email in that top right corner, and get the best fight picks and podcast delivered to your inbox every single fight week. Joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is exciting UFC welterweight Kenny Robertson. I mean, this is a guy that's a former D1 wrestler. He's a father. He owns his own wood shop, and he's a very exciting fighter to watch. And, you know, I got to thank you guys so much for all the positive feedback that you gave me on the Matt Brown interview, the Darren Till interview, and something that both those guys have in common with Kenny Robertson is that they all compete in the UFC welterweight division, and they're all very entertaining fighters. So with that being said, hope you guys enjoy my talk with Kenny Robertson. What's up, man? You're on half the battle. How's it going, man? It's going great, man. I appreciate your time. No worries. So I got to know, Kenny, obviously you're a former D1 wrestler. You're a UFC fighter. You're a father. You own your own wood shop. What's your biggest accomplishment? Oh, being a dad. For sure. Without a, without a question. Yeah, are you a father of one, two, three? What's the deal? Just one. Yeah, and uh, a son? Yep. That's He's awesome, crazy. man. How life-changing was that? Because I'm not a father, so I don't know, but from what I've heard, it changes your life right then and there. Oh, yeah, definitely. It goes from being about you or your spouse to uh, all about him or her, you know? So it definitely changes everything. Yeah, man. So you actually go 10-0. and 0 before you make your UFC debut. Now, prior to fighting Mike Pierce at UFC 126, you actually fought at Bellator, and that was the first big promotion you fought in. Actually, you fought in MFC as well. So just tell me what it was like getting that kind of experience before you fought in the big show. It was good. I think it, it probably would have helped me if I had a couple more fights uh, before I went to the UFC, but it is what it is, and uh, no, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, definitely, man. And then you take on Mike Pierce, and it didn't go your way, and you actually got released from the UFC. Now, with a lot of guys, this could have been a point where they would have been like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I need to look for something else. But for you, you put your nose to the grindstone, and then you take on Lucio Linares. And, man, a lot of people don't know about Lucio, but I do, and he is one tough son of a bitch. And he actually, you know, if you watch his fight with uh, Toquinho Pagliares, man, they were trading some uh, heel hooks in that fight, and he's a very underrated guy. And you knocked him out with a spinning back fist. So what was it like getting that confidence back in that fight? It was great. Uh, you know, he's a he's huge. Um, we actually caught a, fought a, like a, a catch weight. I think it was like 176 or something. And uh, we're... We're taking pictures before the fight, and there's, they put it online, and everyone's like, "Oh, that's that's not a real picture. That's that's Photoshop." But he's like a foot taller than me, so uh, it was good. I knew he was dangerous on the on the ground, and then uh, so I just uh, was careful there. And then I was getting the better of the exchanges, and just kind of got one of those. Uh, I've been practicing like when I break off of things to throw that spinning back fist, so it landed. Yeah, man. And how did it feel to land? a move like that against a guy like Liniares. Oh, it felt great. I was a little shocked at first. I was like, oh, I gotta go finish him off. So, uh, it was, no, it felt great. Uh, we were, my cornerman and I were, were pumped the whole time. The rest of the time we were there, sat down and ate some reindeer pizza. So, it was pretty, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and they say when you knock someone out, you know, you often don't feel it in terms of, like, you punch the guy, but it seems like you're punching at air because it hits so clean. Did it feel like that with the spinning back fist at all? Yeah, it's, it's almost like, I mean, I didn't even realize because I even hit him with my left hand, and it felt like just like a little baby punch, but I hit him just 
square on the chin, so that's what did it. Yeah, man, and then you get the call to come back to the UFC. You fought Aaron Simpson. It was, it was a rather lackluster fight, I think, because of him. He, he just wanted to, you know, grind it out. But then, man, you really made a name for yourself when you fought Brock Jardine. You submitted him with a modified knee bar, one that we have never seen before. And can you just talk about that move real quick? Is that some uh, some catch wrestling? Is that just straight-up jiu-jitsu? What, what's the deal behind that modified knee bar? Uh, well, I threw the legs a lot when I was in college, so... And people would try to shake me off, so I would end up just reaching down and grabbing the heel and kind of just grabbing on for dear life. But then I realized that if I extend my hips out and everything, that I can actually get back points. And unfortunately, one person I wrestled, I kind of tore his hamstring completely off the bone. So it, uh, I knew it would work in uh, MMA and fighting. So I don't ever actually really practice straight up jujitsu. I usually just flow and, I mean, drill and everything, but I treat it more like wrestling than most. Jiu-jitsu gyms, you know? Yeah, and that was actually the first time you got a performance award. You won the submission of the night. Was that life-changing at all? Oh, yeah. yeah. Paid some bills, and then, then the tax man came around. It kind of hurt a little bit, but it was good. Yeah, now let me ask you this, because you are a former D1 wrestler. Now, with a lot of wrestlers... It takes them time to really develop their striking, but with you, you know, you've been knocking a lot of guys out. And what was it like making that transition from just a wrestler to an MMA fighter with a focus on the stand-up? Uh, the jiu-jitsu part wasn't hard at all because um, I was kind of more of a flow wrestler and I was kind of good at feeling things. But the striking-wise, even today, I still have to work on it a lot. I'm still getting better at it. And it's, you know, just, you know, that just to be relaxed and snap out those quick punches and, you know, not arm punch and throw everything I have every time I throw punches. Still something I work on. So uh, it's still a transition to this day. Yeah, and back on the the modified knee bar real quick, you know, after that fight, did the president of the UFC, Dana White, did Lorenzo Fertitta, did any of them say, like, holy shit, we've never seen anything like that before? Uh, I think just uh, Joe Joe was talking about it a couple times, but that was that's all I really heard of it. So. Yeah, well, among the fans, man, I mean, it's kind of a legendary move because no one's ever done anything remotely close to that. And that, I think that was the fight where people started to take notice, like, hey, Kenny Robertson is a player at 170 pounds. Then you take on Sean Pearson. Now, my opinion, I thought you won that fight, but then again, it was in Canada. He is a Canadian. Now, I think the judges... Should uh, you know? Should judge should judge the fight correctly, and obviously in your last fight, we'll talk about that in a minute. But how did you feel after that fight? Did you feel like you had a good showing despite the decision? Yeah, uh, for some reason I had a little bit of adrenaline dump, and I felt it during the the first round. I just tried to calm down and get back into it. But I thought I had done enough, especially in the first. I mean, I thought I had done enough to win. Uh, obviously, the third round was definitely mine. Uh, but even either one of the first or second rounds, I thought I won at least one of them because I took him down both times, both rounds, and especially in the second round, I, I thought I controlled the second half of the uh, the round. So it was it was a little heartbreaking, but it's you know it's one of those things where you don't let it go to the judges. So yeah, it's part of the game. But were there any lessons that you took from that fight? Oh, I mean, just being more relaxed. Uh, the, the next couple fights after that, I've been much more relaxed and, uh, you know, go for the kill more and, and uh, straight punches, obviously. I watched the, I actually watched that fight a couple months ago, and after I rocked him in the third, I'm like, just go straight, fast punches. The fight's over. And I'm like, just winding up and 
throwing bombs at him still. So, but yeah, there's being calm and and relaxed, and there's probably one thing I learned the most on on the off that fight. Yeah, well, and, uh, go go ahead. It, I think it showed up in the, the I think it was the next fight in Brazil. I was like super calm. Yeah, I mean, speaking of being calm and relaxed, you take on a Brazilian in Brazil, and you finish him in the first round. Now, before we talk about the fight itself, I mean, what was fight fight week like? Because, I mean, we all know that uh, Brazilians don't take too kindly to when someone's fighting a Brazilian, especially in Brazil. It was, it was fine. I just pretty much stayed on the uh, the resort or whatever, and I think we left a couple times, but, I mean, it, it was fine. We actually ended up... That night, our, our hotels ended up being like side by side, and uh, I, I guess we were being a little rowdy. And uh, the, the front desk called down and said that somebody was complaining that we were being too rowdy. So, yeah. But uh, other than that, it was it was good. It was, I mean, it's a nice country. It's uh, when you're on the resort, you know, it's a little dirty when you're not, um, which is unfortunate. But such <laughs> is so, so, a lot of tropical areas, you know. So right. So y'all y'all were being rowdy before the fight. No, uh, after the fight. Oh, okay, yeah, after the fight. That makes sense. I mean, you take on Tiago Perpetua and you choke him out in the very first round. Now, while you were walking out to the octagon, I mean, I'm I'm pretty damn sure they were screaming, Oh, vamos air, you're going to die. I mean, what are you thinking when they're screaming that at you? <laughs> I didn't hear them. I just calm and relax. And just, I was probably laughing because my, one of my buddies was actually cornering me. And, uh, the first time he cornered me, and, he he cracked a joke right before I walked out, so I was definitely relaxed and laughing a little bit. Yeah, and what kind of relief was it to choke out Perpetua in the very first round after that very controversial decision against Pearson? Oh, it felt great because, uh, you know, I, I don't think I really got hit that fight, so I was uh, on cloud nine, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and the fans love that performance. And then in your very next fight, you took on another Brazilian, in Ildemar Alcantara, and this is a guy that's fought at 205 pounds before, and, I mean, you took him to school for three straight rounds. You showed off some beautiful wrestling, some beautiful transitions. I mean, was that a point to show off that part of your game, or did you just want to beat him at any means necessary? Yeah, that's how I fight it. everybody. I don't care how I do it, I just like to win. So, I mean, if I know that I'm going to be better on the ground or better on the stand-up, that's what I'll do. Um, I kind of got to fill them out in the first round. and You know, the first round, I pretty much took them out and beat, beat on them. So, uh, I wasn't going to let him have a chance to stand up. and so he had quite a bit of reach on me and everything, so I wasn't going to let him have a chance of knocking him out or anything. So, this went to, went to town on him. Yeah, now from our perspective, it seemed like you were getting those takedowns super easy. But for you, I mean, he is a super big guy. Was it tough to take him down? I mean, did you get tired? Just talk to us about that. Uh, not not really too tired. Um, it was a little bit harder to take him down from the clinch. But, like, you know, when I transitioned to just, uh, like, some leg takedowns or once I get him up against the fence and transitioned off of that, it was a little bit easier. So... I think the very first takedown, I was surprised at his balance and him getting his toe down in one situation. But, uh, you know, any takedown worries on you a little bit. You don't want to take a guy down 20 times in a fight. You know, you want to take him down three times if you have to, not five or six or 12. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Now, before we talk about your fight against the Russian, Sultan Aliyev, you know, I, I want to talk about your D1 wrestling a little bit. Tell, tell me about how that helped you 
transition into MMA, not just the fact that you have the wrestling base, but you know the the mentality that goes with being a D1 wrestler? Because one doesn't simply become a D1 wrestler, Kenny. Uh, well, it's the biggest thing, really, is you have so many matches. I mean, I think I wrestled somewhere around 150, 160 just in college. So, I mean, you compare that to, like, an amateur boxer or kickboxer or anything, they don't have anywhere near those amount of fights or matches. So being able to turn it on like that is kind of big. And then you have the weight cutting, which is come nat- it comes natural to wrestlers. And just just that uh, the grind, you know, everyone talks about the grind, but that's huge because... That's what you do during the match. You grind somebody down, and there was nothing left of them. So it uh, it definitely helped out. And then uh, Matt Hughes was the champ, so obviously all the wrestlers from Eastern, that's where he went to school. So we watched all of his fights when I was in school because he was a champ then. And so uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, Hughes is absolutely unbelievable. Now, was it a lot? Was it a big relief for you that you don't have to cut as much weight? nowadays and what i mean by that is when you wrestle i mean you got to cut weight all the damn time you're always having these matches but with the ufc you know you fight about two to three times a year yeah no it's nice uh but i'm a little bit bigger now too so it's a little bit more because it's also nice that it's a day before weigh in because when you're wrestling in, in college and high school or whatever it's you know it might be an hour you wrestle or it might be two hours when you wrestle so uh it's quite a it's quite a difference yeah, and what are you walking at nowadays? Right now, I'm a little fat because uh, I had uh, ACL surgery about three months or four months ago now. So I've been rehabbing on that, but I'm about one one ninety five. Oh, did you uh, tear your ACL in the Ben Saunders fight? Yeah, I think I finished it off during that fight. So might have had a partial tear before, but it, uh, it was it was gone after that one. Oh damn, man! Well, I'm glad that you uh, that you're recovering, and we'll we'll talk about the Ben Saunders fight in a second. But man, you took on Sultan Aliyev in Stockholm, Sweden, and we all know about these Russians. They are very scary individuals, and in my opinion, he entered the UFC undefeated because obviously, you know, he lost to Doug Marshall. But in my opinion, I scored that fight 30-27 for Sultan Aliyev, and man, he is one tough cookie. And I mean. You go out there and, you know, prior to the fight, a lot of people were saying, you know, you know if Kenny's going to win this fight, he might grind it out. No, you go out there and you knock out the Russian in the very first round. I mean, were you surprised or did you know something coming into that fight? No, like I said, I usually just do whatever it takes to win. And uh, I, I took him down once or twice in the first round. And it was just kind of one of those things where he was getting enough toe down and getting enough he wasn't getting all the way down flat, so rather than just blow my load, taking him down over and over again, I figured I'd give the, the hands a shot, because I could tell that I could get in where I could finish the takedown, so wouldn't bang with him a little bit, and he kept on doing his little bitty turn, little bitty turn, so I knew he was going to spin, so I just kind of do a hook, and it landed. Yeah, man, and when you noticed that spin, I mean, is that something you noticed in the film, or was that a, you know... On the night inside the octagon, you noticed that. I was uh, during during the fight. I noticed it. Wow, props to you for capitalizing on that in the moment. So obviously, it was your first UFC knockout victory. What was that like, man? And you got a performance of the night as well. That was awesome. Uh, I was I was surprised I got it because there's so many good fights that night, and uh, so we're kind of sitting backstage and we're wondering, 
who's going to get it? You know, I was like, I can use some extra money, you know? So, <laughs> uh, I was like hoping and then finally they said, okay, you, you're going to stay around for the after fight interviews. And I'm like, Oh, I think I got it. That's got to mean I got it. And sure enough, I did. So that was sweet. Um, the after fight interviews kind of suck because you're sitting there for like three hours. And, uh, so I got back to the hotel like two hours before I had to leave for my flight. So the flight home was exhausting, but it was, it was all in good fun, you know? Yeah. How long is that flight from uh, Stockholm to, to Illinois? I mean, is it a direct flight? Did you have to stop somewhere? What's the deal? Uh, it was a direct flight to Chicago. I think it was like nine and a half hours. Damn, man, that's a, I mean, did you get to sleep or what? Yeah, luckily on the way back, I didn't have anybody in my row, so I just laid down and passed off pretty much the whole flight. That's awesome, man. And uh, what was Stockholm, Sweden like compared to some of the other places you've gotten to travel to with the UFC? It's uh, it's awesome. It's very beautiful. All the uh, buildings are, you know, they're, they're old school, uh, Romanistic, uh, you know, you got your buttresses and you got your gothic styles and everything so it's pretty pretty sweet out there everything's clean very expensive to buy any food because it's packed so much on it so that's why everyone's skinny over there right and uh did you get a chance to watch alexander gustafson versus rumble johnson in the main event that night i did i did and uh, it was anthony looked really impressive there and then his next fight i was just like shocked and amazed i think he kind of got a inside his own head when he fought uh, Cormier. Yeah, dude, I actually thought he was going to beat Cormier, and when he dropped him in the first round, you know, props to Cormier for showing that championship heart and getting back up to his feet, because a lot of guys, they either would have gone unconscious or they would have looked for the door, but Cormier is one yeah. tough... I think that I think that strike actually is what got him the win, because after that, Anthony just kept on throwing bombs instead of just, you know, stalking him down and landing combos. He was throwing gotta ask you this because i was asking you about uh gustafsson versus rumble i mean it was in sweden gustafsson is the hometown hero i mean was it crazy seeing him lose in that environment because that was one of the biggest uh crowds in ufc history yeah i, I, I would say it was almost it was sad because he wanted to win so much for like his his fans and his people so like he was pretty choked up after the the fight i would say it was just sad yeah, well, luckily for him, I mean, he didn't rebound with a win, but he rebounded with a fight-of-the-year candidate against D.C. I mean, that fight was absolutely incredible, and he got to show, you know, what he's all about. Yep. Yeah, man. Now, let me ask you this. So, your very next fight, you take on Ben Saunders in Chicago, and I mean, is Chicago your hometown? I know you're from Illinois. No, I'm from about three hours south of there. You feel more at home in Chicago than you do in Stockholm, Sweden, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you take on Ben Saunders, and man, you know, you were an underdog in this fight, and you go out there, you drop him in the first two rounds, and to me, it was very clear that you won the first two rounds, and then the next round, you take him down, and he's actually elbowing you in the head from his guard. Tell me about his guard a little bit. Well, he just has that goofy rubber guard that I really haven't been able to train against anybody that hasn't like him. I mean, he's one of those unique individuals, and uh, I mean... Obviously, I've watched the fight, and I've learned from it, and it's one of those things where I just kept on putting my hands down on the mat, and he blocked it up instantly, so I can't, you can't do that against him, if you take him down, at least. And then the third, you know, he had me kind of locked out where he was elbowing me, Now there wasn't, I mean, he had a couple cuts going, but it wasn't like they were powerful elbows, they were just little baby ones, so 
So anytime you're locked up like that and it hits you on the top of the head, you're going to bleed. But I was just kind of resting, and I thought that I won the first two rounds, so I wasn't going to scramble out and try to, you know, let him get an arm bar on me or anything, so... Yeah, absolutely, and you definitely won the first two rounds. I mean, everyone that was at my house was like, are you kidding me when the decision was announced? But listen, me and my friends, we like to joke around about how the rubber guard doesn't work in MMA, but Ben Saunders is one of the few individuals that can make it He's work. He's got that long, that long body that lets, you know, like, allows him to do some stuff like that. So it's, he's one of those unique individuals that you have to train, you know, just for like, he's going to do this. You have to not let him do it. Yeah. Now, you said uh, you called those elbows baby elbows. You didn't feel them too much? No, they weren't. I mean, they weren't painful or anything. They are just a little bit. I mean, it's not like he was rearing back and slamming elbows down hard. They were, like, I would say calculated elbows. Got you, man. And when you dropped him in the first two rounds, I mean, was it just like what we were talking about earlier where it feels like you're punching a, a paper bag, you're punching at air, or did you actually feel his chin with your fist? No, it's usually it was paper bag. And it's always one of those things where, like, you're like, oh, I should have swung harder. And, but really, you're swinging hard. It just doesn't feel like it. It's kind of like when you're dreaming. Sometimes when I dream, I get in fights and I'm fighting and just, it feels like I'm punching like a baby. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a lot of people, they say if you chase the knockout or look for it, it won't come. But if you just let things happen naturally, that's when you knock guys out or knock them down. Do you agree with that, Kenny? Definitely, because you're going to throw your punches faster and crisper, and, and you'll actually have more power on them, too. Yeah, man. And, man, I got to say, you know, it's so damn unfortunate that they gave him the decision, especially in Chicago. I mean, after the fight, did uh, anyone from the UFC come up to you and be like, you know, sorry? Or what, what, what was the dynamic after that fight? Uh, I was pretty sad for a while there. Um, you know, it was kind of, you know, well, right away it was like good fight, you know, and had fun. Like that night it was, it was fine. Like it was like, okay, you know, that happened. I thought I won. I figured that, hey, UFC wasn't going to cut me because that was a good fight and we beat on each other. But, like, afterwards, like, even Ben and I were talking and laughing and whatever, and, like, good fight. And, you know, so I was glad, I was more glad that, you know, we put a good fight on for the fans than, than sad that I lost the fight. So uh, it was kind of like a little victory in itself knowing that we put a show on. Well, there you go, man. It's good that you have a really good mindset, and it absolutely was a very good fight, even though, I mean, I clearly thought you won, but it is what it is, and as far as you getting cut, man, that's not going to happen anytime soon, because you keep on putting on very exciting performances. I mean, obviously, one doesn't simply submit a UFC fighter with a modified knee bar, but then you also uh, are knocking out Russians, and I got to know, man, what's next for Kenny Robertson? Well, I'm just rehab right now. It's going to be a long haul, a lot of, a lot of sweat and tears, trying to get back in shape because, you know, when it goes, it goes shape-wise, so I'm just going to keep working on my hands and keep working, you know, all around, just keep getting better because, I mean, that's what you got to do at this level. Yeah, man, is there anyone specifically that you'd like to fight or is it just whoever they tell you? Uh, just whoever they tell you. They usually do a good job of setting up good entertaining fights, so, uh, you know, hopefully my hands will keep getting better and everything will keep improving and, uh, you know, I'll get up in that top 15. Kind of thought that for the win over Ben, I would be there, but obviously that didn't happen. So just uh, keep grinding. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I agree with you when you say that they definitely know how to match up these fights. I mean, Joe Silva, he really is a genius. And I feel like this dude's in the lab all day, you know, uh, 
plotting what's going to happen next. He really has a mind for this game. Now, I got to ask you, because you do own your own wood shop, what's the coolest thing you've ever made? I make a lot of rustic furniture, um, so like a desk and stuff like that. I'm actually making a uh, rustic bar, so it's got like uh, live edges, so it's like looks the outside of trees. I'm making a bar for a company in Peoria called uh, CGN. So I'm finishing that up this weekend. So you got to yeah. stay busy. Nice, man. So you actually you make these things and you sell them. It's not just uh, you know make it for the family. You're actually making a business out of this. Trying to. This will be the first one where I'm actually getting paid decent money for, so uh, we'll see how that goes. That's badass, man. And do you, uh, by chance, have a website, or are you thinking about making one and, you know, show examples of your work so you can get more clients down the line? Or what's the deal with that, Kenny? Uh, yeah, eventually. It's kind of one of those things where I was kind of hoping to wait until fighting was done because kind of a little hobby side thing for the time being. So really just uh, word of mouth right now, and then I'll, I'll get – I'll get more into it. I'll put stuff on my website. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get it updated and everything. Yeah, I was going to ask you which one you like better, but I think you just answered the question when you called the the wood shopping a hobby, and obviously fighting is your profession. But I mean, did you uh, were you into the wood shop back in the day, or is this something new? Tell me about it. Well, I to, well, like I say, I'm teaching uh, wood shop part time in a high school, my old high school. So I, I worked there for about three hours. So it works out pretty good when when you're doing rehab all the time. So. Uh, I actually used to teach woodshop uh, full-time and drafting and stuff like that, but uh, but it's always been kind of a hobby thing, been an interest that I've, I've done. I've also done rough carpentry where built houses during the summer and everything like that. Nice, man. And how do the kids in the high school, how do they feel that their teacher's a badass UFC fighter? Uh, they're pretty, they're pretty, pretty resilient. They're pretty all right about it, so... Some, some of them get a little starstruck, but most of them, you know, day or two and they're fine. That's awesome, man. That's good to hear. Well, Kenny, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Just go ahead, you know, thank anyone you want to thank, plug anything you want to plug. The floor is yours, my friend. Oh, well, thank you for having me on. Uh, really, just uh, thank the UFC and my family and God for letting me do this stuff. Yeah, man, and you know, after your next fight, we'd love to have you back on the show, Kenny. Sounds good. All right, man, you have a great day. You too. We'll talk to you later. All right, see you, Ken. There you have it, folks. Kenny Robertson, a man. What a unique individual, and you know, we'll definitely be rooting for him to make a full recovery. Can't wait for his return. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at 170Kenny. Everyone tuning in to Half the Battle for the very first time. Thank you very much. Subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud. And make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. So until the next time, thank you guys very much and enjoy the fights.